All right. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 61 of Collectible Live. Today is Tuesday, February the 7th, 2023, and my name is Jeremy Lee. I would like to thank everyone who tuned in with us last week and thank Atal Tawari of Cult Wines. Wow, did we learn a lot about collecting and investing in fine wines. And I want to thank everybody for all the great feedback we had on that episode. But here we are, the next one. Let's bring out our guest. He is an expert, a collector, a dealer in comic book art, Glenn Brunswick. Welcome to Collectible Live, and how are you today? I'm good, Jeremy. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for uh, inviting me. Well, you're welcome. I'm excited, too. This is going to be back-to-back weeks where I get to learn a lot more about an area of collecting that I am not familiar with. Obviously, I'm aware of comic books, but original comic art is fascinating, and I think we are in for a treat with you today. To everyone who is joining us in the chat, please feel free to put in some questions and comments and we will get to as many as we can. I have a lot of questions for Glenn today, so I have a feeling I might have your questions covered, but let's just start off, Glenn, right out of the gate here. How exciting is the world of original comic art these days? Uh, I mean, I think it's I think it's like a great place to be in terms of, I, I mean, first of all, I have tons of empathy for anyone that's a collector of anything because... You know, obviously it's, it's, it's a sickness or, uh, 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 you know, or, or, but, but, you know, I think, I think if you are a collector of anything, whether it be sports cards or, or comic books or comic art or cars or what, whatever it is, I mean, uh, I, I think that you will be thoroughly entertained, um, you know, with the collecting bug and hopefully, hopefully future generations will, uh, will will value the trash that you've uh, that you've collected and uh, and be excited by it. But um, comic art today uh, is uh, is just booming. It's it's uh, it 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 it's sort of like, you know, was was uh, a comic books, uh, 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 you know, little little cousin. And it's I think it's like grown up, um, you know, all the auction houses pretty much have comic art now and uh um you know you can see it everywhere so i i just think that like it it's it's a really exciting time in this space prices uh have never been higher so from a dealer standpoint and collector standpoint if you do if you have amassed uh a, a great deal of of things then that's a good thing and if you just started collecting last week i apologize to you well, you know, you said that uh, you, you hope that future generations are going to continue to value these mementos and artifacts. And that that's what these things are. The same with sports cards and memorabilia. These are these are historical artifacts. And history is something that will never go away. There will always be history. And I think as humans, there will always be an interest in history. And connecting with history can be accomplished by collecting. And you said, you know, it's almost a a disease, if you will, or, you know, and there is, there is a, you know, we, we are, we are addicted to what we collect. A lot of us are, I, I, I'll be the first to say it. So I think that that won't be a problem. Are you yourself, Glenn? Now, you know, you are a, a dealer, you're an investor, a collector, which one do you consider yourself to be the most, if you had to rank in rank order, how you participate um, in the hobby, could you, could you let us know? Sure. These days, I consider myself pretty much a dealer. Um, I have been a collector in the past. Um, I do have a collection, things that 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 I'm interested in keeping. Um, 
I wouldn't call myself an investor necessarily in, in terms of the hobby. And it's, it's hard to like really sort of like think of these things as investments per se. But I mean, I think when you're spending, you know, over a few thousand dollars on anything, I guess you have to look at it a little bit like, you know, you want to make a judicious uh, um, purchase because, you know, I mean, if you think about it, if you have a family, if you have other obligations, there's an opportunity cost, obviously, if you're spending a certain amount of money. And so therefore, you do have to think about it a little bit like you want to make sure that you're you're getting something at 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 below or at market value and that you're not overpaying for something. So, um, yes, I, I, I guess I would be like a, a, a dealer first and, and, and a collector second, although it wasn't always that way. I, I, I incorporated and became a dealer. Uh, in 2017. Um, and previous to that, I was more of a collector. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I wanted to ask how you got into this in the first place. You know, my, I'm going to take a guess and I don't know this. We, we didn't discuss, okay. I would assume as a young kid, you were buying comic books and reading them and right. it, it comes down to, you know, is it nostalgia for you? But before we get to nostalgia, how did you first get involved? What brought you into the original comic art space? So I was um, actually, I was a literary agent in Hollywood. I was uh, reading scripts and representing writers and uh, a buddy of mine um, threw a couple of uh, Sotheby's catalogs on my desk. And one of them was, uh, uh, it was like from 1990, 1991. And in that catalog was um, the complete story by Gil Kane and John Romita Sr. to Amazing Spider-Man number 121 for sale. And this is like the issue where Gwen Stacy is killed by the Green Goblin. And it was like a, a, a landmark issue because, you know, uh, the, a major character's girlfriend is 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 killed. And when I was a kid reading, uh, yes, I, I, I was a kid reading comics. Um, you know, in my mind, Gwen Stacy, like Spider-Man was my favorite character and Gwen Stacy, his girlfriend was my girlfriend, basically. You know, so when they killed her, I was like, oh my God, you know, this is like, this is shocking for a 12 year old. So, um, so then I, I, I so, uh, okay, so I'm an adult now and I'm looking at this catalog and I'm going, oh my God, I can, I can, I can own this stuff. This is like, this is insane. How, how, I, how is this even possible? I had no idea. And so then, then I started to seek it out. And a few years later, I was like buying, buying art pretty regularly, although there was no internet back then and it was much harder. You had to sort of network by telephone. And if you wanted to buy something from a collector, it was like a, over a fax machine or or they'd actually send you Xeroxes in the mail of the art that you could potentially purchase. And if you did, um, yeah, you'd get it months later in a, you know, in a, in a, in a big uh, mailed envelope. I remember getting really expensive pieces of art left at my doorstep where there was no security while I was at work and they would like just sit there for hours, thankfully not being stolen, but like anyone could have just like walked into the building and said, wow, this is great. $5,000 item. Fun for me. You know, so. in the sports card world, uh, we can go to a local card shop. You can sometimes go to a, a Target uh, and you can buy cards there. Comic books. You can go to a comic store. You can go to some some corner stores and buy some comic books. Where does original comic art come from? Like what? Was it the property of the artist? Was it the property of the of the comic book company, Marvel, DC, indie companies? Where does this stuff come from? How do you find it? So yeah, well, um, I, I guess I guess you could pretty much say that like legally it was probably the property of the artist, but 
um, the big companies like Marvel and DC never used to return the artwork at all. They would, they would, uh, they would keep it. They deemed that it was theirs. Um, in some cases, they would give it away to fans, like when they came to visit the offices. When it rained really, really heavily and the and the floors flooded in New York City, they would use they would use the art to mop up the floors. I mean, they really didn't like value it. They really didn't think about it. It was only um, at a certain point that Marvel decided to return the artwork to the artists. Um, I believe it was either the late 70s, early 80s, because there were like tax implications. Like if if they said that they owned it, then they had to pay tax on it. They didn't want to pay the tax to the state. And so they said, okay, um, we're going to return the art to the artist. So it was it was a financial decision. And and that's how it's been done ever since. Now Nowadays, the art is returned to the artists. And the artists sell the art themselves. And some of them have art reps that you can contact and, 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 and buy art from the artist directly, which is always really nice. I happen to represent uh, Rob Liefeld. Um, and you can buy his art directly through me. Rob is uh, famous for uh, the Deadpool character and X-Force. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, he's he's a, he's in pretty important. And he's also one of these 90s artists that's really hot right now, along with Jim Lee and Todd McFarlane and so on. So, um, so yeah, um, you can also buy art from auction houses. And, uh, um, and then, of course, from art dealers like myself at Panel Page Art. Um, and then there, there are a few other uh, reputable dealers that I'm in competition with I could tell you about as well. And soon enough, you'll be able to buy some uh, on the collectible platform, on their BWIC platform. And, Absolutely. you know, you said Deadpool. You might have seen my eyes light up. You know, I am interested in the space as a fan of the movies and being entertained. And Deadpool, I think, is my favorite movie to come out of the comic book space in uh, in recent years. Before we move on, let's just say hello to... Uh, Nick Barucci, uh, hit the thumbs up. I appreciate that, Nick. And Nick to support, nice to see you. To support our fellow community member, Glenn. Hello to you, Jake Dahl, as always. Uh, Pegley, Pegleg Pete, welcome to the show. Tom, <laughs> that's uh, Tom in Vegas. Hello, a collector's dream. And Nick says, Cable, Youngblood, and so much more. Being, I exactly. guess, the same artist right. who did. who that's, did. That's uh, Life, well, the guy who I represent, yeah. Oh, right. Okay, excellent, excellent. So, I want to I want to ask you this next question to the people who are joining us who are comic book or comic art enthusiasts. Please understand that I am not one of your people, at least not right now. So I'm approaching this discussion from the perspective and through the lens of a sports card collector. And with that, Glenn, what makes original comic art a collect a great collectible versus the comic books themselves are there some of the same okay. collectors of both how yes. is it delineated how do you see the two coexisting together um well i mean i would say that like uh comic books are almost like a gateway drug that a lot of a lot of comic art collectors actually come from comic books and it which makes sense because if you like the characters that are in comic books obviously the art that's drawn for the comics is sort of like a natural progression, um, you know. Once once you've, you know, made a, a lot of collectors, you know, they they collect comics, and at a certain point, their collection is full. They've they've met their goals, and then they want to move on to to something else, and so they jump to comic book art. Um, I do think that there are some people that are like because of the movies, as we you know we've talked about, like um, because those characters are so ubiquitous in 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 pop culture. 
um, that there are some collectors that come in that have no association with the comics. They come from the movies and, and so therefore, um, they're excited about the artwork because this is like the Genesis place of, of these characters is where they began. But I think that like the real difference for me, why I'm so passionate about comic art versus comic books themselves is the, the comic book is sort of a printed matter. That's, that's, um, that's separated from the artist's creation and, and, and the artwork itself, um, I think really sort of, uh, allows for a relationship with the collector and the artist who actually created this stuff. I mean, the artist actually touched the page that you own. He drew pencil and he drew ink on it. And he, he, um, you know, like you, you get a sense of his thought process because maybe he made a few mistakes on it and there's some white out or some pencil corrections or something. And you, you get, you get some insight into maybe what he was thinking how, when, when he created this thing. And, and, and so I think it allows your imagination to engage with the collectible in a way that you might not with, with a printed matter, um, also, the, the the art itself is 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 large. It's it, you know the comics are eight and a half by eleven. The art is eleven by seventeen, and it, it can go as big as um, fourteen to twenty two, and um, it's frameable, and you can put it on your wall, and you can look at it from afar and still make out, you know, what the the details. Whereas like you know with a comic book and with a sports card, my eyesight is not what it used to be, and if I'm really going to enjoy um, Michael Jordan, you know, I really have to look closely, but if I want to enjoy my Steve Ditko Spider-Man art, I can look from a distance and, 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 and still get it, still get joy from it. But again, I'm not, I'm not saying one is better than the other, but, uh, but for me, these are like some of the qualities that I think are really exciting about owning, owning a piece of, of, of artwork. Well, Glenn, well said. Lots there to chew on. I'm going to go first. Uh, Jordan, welcome to the show, says he, he agrees. Hey, artists, re artists respond much more when you bring them original art to sign. They get to see their creation again after so many years. That's pretty cool. My my sports card comparisons, you take a card to a player to sign. They're, they've seen this card before in many, in many uh, right. instances. Uh, Peg Leg says there's one piece of art. There may be 100,000 comics or sorry, copies of the comic and they are all changed by size and color. And then I'm going to go back to Brett's comment here. An analogy, he says to me, an analogy I might like comics versus comic art is like sports cards versus sports memorabilia. A lot of people cross over and never look back. So what I say to that is that's a that's a nice analogy, Brett, and thank you for providing it. But I would take it a step further and I would say the, the analogy that I would look for is sports cards to the original photography or artwork that was used to create the sports card. And that that is not something that is really uh, popular in the sports card hobby. I don't really know anybody who only collects sports card art or original photography. There are people that collect type one, type two photos. But in that, in that case, it's kind of a bonus if that image was used for uh, an eventual sports card. So I think it's a, it's a neat it's a neat analogy you bring, Brett. But I think there's even a deeper one there. And, uh, you know, as a card collector, I, I think we as card collectors are almost we should be a bit envious that that 
that you guys in comic books and comic art have this additional layer that we don't really have that's as direct. We do have memorabilia, but memorabilia is used in the games. It's it's hard to to go, it's hard to find an apple to apple comparison there. But I like the I like the analogy, Brett. Thank you. Uh, Glenn, anything you'd like to add to this piece? No, I was just, I'm curious, like, is there a marketplace for, uh, like, uh, original sports paintings and and uh, and photographs, like like you said? I mean, I, I don't even know myself. I don't, I don't know where, like. Yeah, there is, there is. So, I mean, even Collectible has gotten into the sports art asset class business. Uh, James Fiorentino, one of the most uh, amazing artists in sports art, is uh, some of his pieces are being featured on the collectible platform. So yeah, there is a market for it, but it's, you know, I don't, I have a feeling that the market for comic art is much more evolved and mature than the market is for sports art at this time. Meaning there might be some really good opportunities in sports art. Not that there aren't in comic art, but Yeah. yeah. Okay. I wanted to ask you, Glenn, next, you mentioned some specific artists is there among collectors of comic art, are there some collectors who really favor and are loyal towards one artist over another or one character or title over another or one, you know, Marvel or DC or indie indie brand right. over the others? Where how, how are loyalties and allegiances sort of established by collectors, investors in, in your space? I mean, I think I think that. uh you know, it, it is, uh, um, uh, there are, there are so many different types of collectors. There are nostalgic collectors. There are collectors who collect by artists. There are collectors who collect by characters. There are collectors who collect, um, by, uh, uh, by Marvel or by DC or by indie comics and, um, or just horror comics or, um, you know, there, there's every type of, every type of combination you can think of. Absolutely. Um, you know, there there was one um, collector who only collected Ramita Spider-Man art, and he actually changed his name to Ramita Man. You know, so um, yeah, I mean, there there are uh, there 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 you know there there's there's no I, I I can't say that there's any like one kind. I mean, I, I assume it's the same with sports cards that 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 you know some people want um, rookie cards and some people want uh, you know only maybe only collect Michael Jordan or, you know, like, uh, or some people, you know, I, I, I think it's like, it's probably, I would say the parallels are, are, are would, and I don't even know the sports world that well, but I would say they're probably spot on in terms of, in terms of how you would delineate it. Yeah. It sounds by the way you explained it, that there are those, those approaches to it. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm, I'm just trying to find the parallels that I can, so I can better, understand your world within with within the, right. the lens through the lens of, of of my world here's a question just came to me it seems like comic books are predominantly based around superheroes but when i was young and please don't laugh at me i was buying <laughs> the comic book for the tv show alf or married with children but when i was right. even younger for me i would go to the comic store on weekends mostly because the sports card store was in the back corner of the comic store and I would flip through and buy used copies of Archie comics and Richie right. Rich comics. You know, that's what I like to read as a kid. I wasn't as much into the superheroes. Is there com is comic art is is the is your world of comic art really only about superheroes, or is there a market no. for Arch, Archie comics and Richie Rich and all these other ones? Well, yeah, they're like like so. 
Um, what I would say to you is that uh, the more popular the thing, um, the higher the prices are, the more that they're coveted. So like Spider-Man art, because because he's so prevalent, is obviously really important. Um, Alf art, not quite as much, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, I have seen the occasional cover sell. Um, so I can I can I can work something out for you if you really want, Jeremy. But uh, <laughs> but but, um, um, you know, uh, I look there. There are all kinds of genres that are selling for a lot of money right now, like the Sandman art by Sam Keith. Because Sandman, uh, well, that 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 stuff was popular anyway. It was it was a, an important graphic novel um, or set of graphic novels by Neil Gaiman, the, the important author. But then then it also became more recently a, a Netflix show, which was really popular. And so you know that so it's not just superhero art. It's it's Walking Dead art is very uh, is can be expensive and 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 very important. And you know um, so it I think it has more to do with like what what's uh star wars art is also very expensive for example like comic book star wars art not not i mean the movie art you know for the for the posters would be expensive also but um so uh yeah i would say i would say that uh um you know all all of this is relevant archie art is can can be important too although it's not it's not really that valuable like you can you can get really really good vintage pages probably from the books you read off the newsstands for you know a hundred dollars a page or something like that i mean they're not they're not so if you want to like if you want to capture the glory of your younger days with archie um i can probably help you out too well I, i'd ask you to I, I i would be interested in like some uh, a cover or two okay i'm gonna run through a whole bunch of comments because there's some great stuff coming in we still got a lot to get through uh, okay. jordan here says as a comic art collector i tend to collect art from the comics i used to buy as a kid that's what we say in sports cards, collect what you like. Be true sure. to yourself. I love that comment, Jordan. Thank you for it. Sticky Rice says, I think at a certain point, most collectors who are heavily invested will start to look for more exclusive items rather than retail collectibles. Yeah, I, I call that being evolving, maturing, becoming an advanced collector. Thanks for the comment, Sticky Rice. Nick says, the comic art market is great and people like Glenn are fantastic to work with. That's really nice to hear. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Nick. I uh, appreciate that, Nick, as well. 18 people. Well, we're up to 24 people watching right now. Uh, Collector's Dream says, I mostly collect cards, but have various signed limited edition lithographs on my walls. Very nice. Pegleg says, uh, Hergie and Barks are two of the top sellers and never a superhero between them. Very right. interesting. Brett says, one of my favorite pieces I've owned is a Jim Lee Scooby-Doo cover piece. If it was X-Men, it would be 100K. Scooby <laughs> by the same artist was $4,000. Like Scooby is where I, I would go Scooby I, myself. I think, I think I sold that cover for Brett actually for 4000 Nice. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> and Sticky Rice says, but art is one of a kind and it requires a bit more education on the part of the collector to understand why it's so rare and valued. The market is not as digestible as retail collectibles. Thanks for the comment. And Nick says, yeah. get them now while you can. It's a matter of time before they go up. I think he's talking about Archie. So, so Glenn, we got to talk Archie comics. Okay. That, that, I, I, I want dibs. Well, you know, I, I will, I'm happy to, I'm happy to get those for you. Uh, I want to like, I want to expand just a little bit on what sticky rice was talking about. Um, that like, I think, I think what's difficult about, about the art art market in terms of entry is that you do need an education. You know, it's, 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 it's much easier, I think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong to jump into the sports card market where you have like, 
um, all, all the statistics of what the latest sales are at your fingertips, right? Like, I mean, with, with artwork, it's much, much harder. You, um, you, you really have to educate yourself on, on, on comps and comps are, are harder to find because when you're dealing with one of a kind items, that means you have to find sort of like apples to apple-ish oranges, you know, as opposed to like, you know, you have to find other, other like items and then, and then draw a correlation between them and try and figure out if, if they're even, and that, that requires uh, a little bit of creativity and, and, and some trust. Um, and when, when money's involved, I think people don't trust all that much. So, um, so I think, I think sticky rice is onto something there. All right. Well, that's, that's interesting. I think you're right in the sports card market. You do need, you have more, it sounds like you have more data at your fingertips in terms of being able to establish values and what you're willing to pay. Uh, but uh, you still need an education. You still need to understand how the hobby works and how cycles come and go and, and all that. So there, right, I think yeah, sure. we have a commonality right there. Murdoch here uh, says, I've been saying for years now, be glad the big tech moneymakers never really got into comic art collecting. <laughs> Jordan says, harder for new art collectors to get started since there's no price guide. Uh, right. Murdoch says, I sell my copy of the original Overstreet comic art price guide. I've, I've heard of Overstreet. Uh, Sticky Rice responds and says, that's exactly right, Glenn. It's hard to find comps for things. And some people balk at asking prices when the comparable comic is relatively valueless. There's so many other factors on the art side. And my friends from the Currency Project says the art market is typically opaque at best. So yeah, thanks for that and good to see you guys. Um, I'm going to change the topic. We're going to come back to pricing a little bit, but I want to ask you, as a sports card collector, one of the one of the reasons it's so much fun to own cards is because you feel like you have a piece of the game. Maybe you you own stock in the player, which is interesting because on collectible in their fra- on their flat fractional platform, you can actually buy stock. You can buy units of cards similar to a stock. But that's why we like owning these things. It feels like we're closer to the history. We're closer to these icons, these legends, these heroes. Some may call them. Uh, notice the pun towards superheroes there. You know. Is it similar in comic art and maybe even comic books? But let's stick to comic art, where if you own an original page or cover of a of a book that you read as a kid, do you feel like you own a piece of Spider Man or Superman or Batman or or whomever? Absolutely, I think I think it's I think you you not only own a, a piece of of let let's say Batman or, or Superman, um, but you actually when you own the original page, you own a piece of that story. There are 20 pages to each story and you have one page and a really good artist. The idea behind what, what a really good artist does is he's supposed to tell a complete story in a single page. Like each page, if, if, if he's done his homework, um, you know, should have a beginning, a middle and an end, like, like any story. And so you have, and, 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 and it works that way for over 20 pages as well. Like, you know, the writer should be focused on, on doing a story the same way. And so, yes, I mean, you, not only do you, like if Spider-Man's on, on, on the page, you own a piece of Spider-Man by say the original creator or, or the artist that, that was drawing Spider-Man when, when, when you were, uh, when you were in your nostalgic zone, like you own, you own a piece of that and you own a piece of a story of, of Spider-Man's story or Peter Parker's story or, whoever you relate to or Arch, 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 Archie's story or, you know, or even Alf, even Alf, you know, you, you own a piece of his story. So, yeah. um, 
Yeah, I, I think it I think there there is a there is a deep, very deep connection there. But again, as I said before, it's like it's a connection there. It's a connection with the artist. Um, okay, you know, it, it's a connection with your youth. It's a um, you know, it, it I, I do think it is an all encompassing thing. And, and, you know, it means different things to different collectors. Um, and in some cases, it's just an investment for some people. But uh, but yes, I, okay. I do believe I do believe that. Good, good. Uh, Jordan, I love this. Jordan uh, says, my passion is to own a piece of history. I think that's what, you know, that's such a wonderful approach to keep in, in the back of your mind as you're working your way through collecting within a hobby. Uh, Murdoch here says, honestly, having looked at the high-end million-dollar pieces of art, comic art, collecting is very easy. You don't have one or two dealers that have cornered an artist's work. Very interesting. Will, welcome to the show, says, Glenn is expressing that there's an art to storytelling and he's right. And some of the most gifted comic book artists can express a visual story when there aren't words on the paper. That's really cool. Thanks, Jordan. Will. Jordan says the first appearance issue is historic for that character. Owning a page from that first issue gets a piece of that character. Yeah, an original piece. Very neat. And uh, Peg Leg Pete says, Jordan, I helped Jerry Wiest write the comic art price guide 20 years ago. The prices are out of date, but there's a lot of good info in there. Comic. Okay, awesome. Okay, so... I have a couple questions now, specific stuff. Who are, you know, in sports cars, we have goats. Michael Jordan is a, is a goat. Wayne Gretzky is a goat. Mike Trout right. is maybe a goat. Who are the goats of comic book art, both artists and characters, if this answer is even relevant, or the question is even relevant? Right. Well, we refer to them as sheep, not goats, but that's just, uh, okay. Really? No, no, no. No, I'm kidding. No, okay. <laughs> um so uh, i mean right now like todd mcfarlane art is 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 really hot he's like like so the guys from the 90s if you think about you know 30 years back um it used to be like the 80s were pretty hot and before that it was the 70s art that, that was pretty hot right now i would say the 90s artists are in control of the marketplace and so so todd mcfarlane uh rob liefeld jim lee um eric larson um, all these, these are all guys that were, were sort of like superstars. In fact, they broke off from Marvel and created image comics in the nineties, um, which, be, which became, uh, which is now a very important publication for, um, for creator, creator owned material. Um, but at, at that time they all, they all left Marvel. They, they were working on the X-Men and Spider-Man and, and all the important titles for Marvel. And they started their own company in, in, in the early nineties. And so these guys, these, these are the guys right now that are the sort of the go-to artists. Frank Miller is also one of those, those guys we'll talk about, I guess, in a little bit. He, uh, he had a legendary run on Daredevil and then broke off to do his own stuff. And he, he, he re-envisioned the Dark Knight um, Batman for like the, the, the modern day audience. The, the Batman that you see today is really based on what he created in, in 1986, which was like a groundbreaking graphic novel of Batman that adults were reading. And that was on the New York Times bestsellers list, as opposed to, you know, just being in, in a shop at a, at a comic store that kids would, would read. So. Okay. Um, Interesting. Good. Okay. So here, uh, Jordan says the, the, the OG, I think, uh, OG goats maybe are Wrightson, yeah. Frazetta, Mobius and Miller. Sticky Rice right. says those image guys really defined the look of the 90s. Incredibly detailed work. I can tell you've got some, uh, a lot of people must follow you on Instagram or know, know, uh, know of you. <laughs> we've got a lot of uh, names I've never seen before, and that makes sense. I've never talk, covered comic book 
Art before uh, Glenn. I what? bring I bring my people with me when I go I somewhere. See. Yeah, you got your entourage. I love it. What is it? What? I have no idea. What is this splash page? What does that mean? So a splash page is kind of like it's close to like a, it's a single image. It's like what a cover is, but but it's usually like the first page of a comic book. But it can happen in the middle of a book too. An artist just wants to really um, hone in on a certain on 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 a certain like uh, thing that's going on in the story, and so. Uh, you know, instead of like a, a panel page has like five panels or six panels or three panels or even two panels. But uh, but if it's a splash, it's, it's generally speaking, it's it's just one single image on one page, but okay. it's not the cover. Like a lot of, a lot of pages will have, say, six, six frames. This is a single frame page, basically. Exactly. exactly. Are all of these like in comic art collecting, is it all about one of one original art or are there are there prints you know i ask this because in sports cards we have a lot of we have one of ones but we also have you know a parallel out of five and another one out of 25 and out of a hundred out of a thousand are in comic art is it all about the original piece or are there prints that are made and then sold uh maybe numbered prints even that get sold so for comic comic art it's really one of one um they're uh there, there, uh, you know, there are prints out there. They're usually for people that um, don't really want to pay for the the comic book art, and you know, they're usually pretty inexpensive, and they don't they don't really go up in value. They're not coveted in quite the same way. Some of the artists working today work only digitally, you know, so they don't actually create um, on 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 paper. They they do it all all on the computer, and and when they're done, they'll print out. A one, what they would call like a one of one, like a mono print or whatever, and they'll sell that as if that's the original. And so there is a bit of a market for that kind of thing happening. But that's that's the only thing that I would equate in our hobby that's close to selling selling a print that has value. Yeah, and I guess in, in the sports card world, we have a lot of just base cards that don't carry much value. Maybe there's maybe there's a parallel to be drawn uh, right there. Let's let's go. Let's change the topic now. You had mentioned to me when when I met with you earlier that there was a point in time when comic art started to be taken seriously as a investable hobby collectible. Can you explain what caused that transition and when that occurred? Sure. I mean, this this is this is like you know just in sort of like thinking about things. Um, prior to 2011, um, most most of the art that was like selling at Heritage, the the really really strong good pieces. We're in like sort of like the hundred k range, but in in 2011, uh, the splash page to uh, the Dark Knight Returns came up for auction by by Frank Miller, um, and it's 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 Batman and and Robin. I think you have a you you might you might have a picture of it if you want to like throw Is that it up. the first image you sent me? That's the, yeah, that's the first image. That one right there. So yeah, so this 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 was. Um, highly coveted by many, many collectors. And um, people thought it would do like, you know, the top of the market, maybe 150,000 at the time. And it wound up hammering in 2011 for, uh, I believe it was for uh, $448,000. So that was like, that was way more than anybody thought. And 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 that was like, I would say that was like the start of, of a sea change for comic art, because at that point people were like, well, if this piece, is worth four hundred fifty thousand when we thought it was worth one hundred fifty thousand. Well, then what is like 
you know, important uh, cover by Jack Kirby, who started the Marvel Universe worth. And what is, you know, people start again, it's like uh, the way our comps work is 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 apples to oranges to a degree where, you know, you start extrapolating. Well, you know, uh, it, you know, like when when you see something else sell and you think you have things that are more valuable personally, then, you know, it, it changes. That's like that becomes like a sea change for for the marketplace. And then the very next year, Todd McFarlane, who I mentioned earlier, sold uh, the, the next image, which is uh, Amazing Spider-Man uh, 328 cover uh, with Spider-Man and the Hulk on it. And um, and that was that sold for six hundred and fifty seven thousand dollars, hmm. which, you know, at the time, again, was like a shock, a shock to the marketplace. So um, and then and then it just it just continued. Um uh, in in 2014, the very first page of uh, of 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 uh, Wolverine, his very first appearance, sold for six hundred and fifty-seven thousand dollars. That's by Herb Trimpe. Is that and, Glenn? Is that this image? This frame? This is a five-frame page. This one is this the first ever image of Wolverine right here in comic books? Yeah, that is that is the very first image of of Wolverine, right? So, so to own this original art, I mean, to me, this is a, a grail piece. It is absolutely a grail piece. There's there's no denying it. Um, you know, and and for someone who loves Wolverine and 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 can afford it, you know, I, I think the owner of of this piece will never part with it. So, um, you know, uh, um, and 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 so yeah, like it, when we're talking about grails, it's 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 really difficult to to, def to define what's a grail for. For anyone, I mean, my grails are very different than 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 these grails. I I grew up with, as I was telling you about uh, John Romita Sr. and Spider Man. So my grails would be like you know a, a specific a specific Spider Man cover that he drew, or and I won't tell you which one because I'm still looking to purchase it. So uh, I don't want anyone else jumping in front of me. Right. But I, uh, yeah, I get but, that. But and and you know and 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 our collectors can be secretive like that as well because you know i mean there is only one of one so when it pops up um you know things things can go crazy so um so those last three three images that, that we showed on the screen those were sales from 2011 448k 2012 760k 2014 we saw another 657 thousand dollar sale from the notes that you sent me right. and then in 2022 can i show the next picture yeah absolutely let's show that one because this this is i mean the the figure that you tell me this this piece sold for is staggering so yeah so what's amazing about this is is um you know uh you know just just as everyone likes to talk about the super bowl and who's going to win comic art collectors like to talk about like what what prices are going to hammer for. And I think the consensus at the time was that this piece was going to hammer for about $300,000 when it went up to auction. That's that. In fact, um, I think like uh, a, a dealer had offered about 300,000 to, to that collector. And I guess he's very happy. He didn't take it. Um, but uh, so the idea of this piece is that this is uh, the, the first black costume Spider-Man and that, 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 costume is sentient and um so in in essence the, the costume becomes venom later on and so that this is like in some ways heritage auctions which auctioned this piece was very very smart in um 
in 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 marketing this as as the the origin of Ven Venom page. And um, I guess whoever was bidding on this agreed with them because at the end of the day, uh, this wound up doing three point three million dollars and is the most expensive piece of American comic art to date. So. Um, you know, the wonderful thing about Heritage that that I, I'd like to at least mention, and we were talking about comps, is they have a free archive of all the things that they've auctioned since since the beginning of, of, of when they started auctioning comic art, I think in like 2002. And you can go back and, and look at the history and see exactly what all of these things. So if you're if you want to jump into the hobby and you're like, oh, I'm afraid I don't I don't want to overpay and I don't really know what I'm doing. Spend a few hours at Heritage looking through their archives you know, just, just, just try and uh, just pull up all the things that you're interested in and get a sense of like where values are. And that'll give you a real, real education as to uh, what, what um, things are worth so that you don't feel uncomfortable about making a purchase. If there's something that you really love out of nostalgia that you'd like to have on your wall um, besides a sports card or a comic book. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I want to go to here. Uh, Will says that Hulk first Wolverine, is worth a bit more now makes me wonder does will own that i don't know but will is talking about this one right here uh no 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 then, he's talking about the uh the, the first appearance of wolverine page oh okay so that was this one uh right, right. over here then okay right. i'm learning guys be patient with me i'm, I'm doing my best here i'm yes, trying sir. to learn but yeah i can tell you who i can tell you who all the athletes are but uh okay and then um Nick says at least two people agreed on the value. They must have. He takes two people to tango in, in an auction. And Peg Leg Pete says, Glenn, what is the current normal price range for a panel page by the black costume artist? By the black costume artist. I, does that mean like... Uh, um, does Another that, page that, from the book, probably. Another page I, from... I mean, uh, like lots of artists have done... Oh, 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 I see. Mike, Mike Zach. Uh, okay, got it. Um, yeah, the artist is Mike Zek, and and so you can you can buy a Spider-Man page by Mike Zek, a good one for like um, five thousand dollars or something like that. Okay. So yeah, three point three million is 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 a little higher. Yeah, well, right here, Nick says rumor has it that the owner on Hulk number one eighty turned down two million dollars, and I I'm not I'm not like discrediting that, but I love rumor. I love I love when it starts. Rumor has it because. It's uh, it's it's uns unsubstantiated, or at least that's what uh, Nick is well, letting us. I mean, I think I think like you can you can like if I were the owner of the uh, of of that page, I'd probably turn it down too. Because if 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 Venom is worth three point three million, then the first the first Wolverine should should be equivalent with that at least. Yeah. You know, so I, here I am agreeing with you, like I know. <laughs> if, if, well, you know, I, Jeremy, you're I mean, you're one of us. I I feel like we've converted you. Well, I just, I hear it. these are names that I'm familiar with. These are movies that I've seen. I mean, I, you know, it, it does, it does make sense. Brendan Ryan says Hulk 181 is a key book. Good to see you, Brendan, usually a sports card guy, but uh, an art guy as well. Um, so let me ask you this. We just, you just took us through and there's a, there's an, actually, before we do that, let's go on to, to this, this piece right here that also sold last year. Right. 2.4 million as you've advised me uh right. it's a frank miller piece what what why is this it looks pretty simple to me i, I do love it it's it's pretty cool right but it took well, me a while to figure out where batman's head was when i looked at it <laughs> look i found it but what can you tell what can you tell us about this piece and and the 2.4 million dollar price tag uh you know i i honestly think that as a piece of art 
it, it it's certainly stunning and he's in silhouette and 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 it's the it's the first issue of the groundbreaking series so i i think really what sold this however is the name frank miller and the fact that this is like the most important batman graphic novel of you know i i think i think you can you can easily say that it it, it it's name value um you know the other thing that that i need to point out is that when this thing hammered at 2.4 million you're going like that's awesome this is great but in reality a lot of the comic um art collecting community was disappointed when it hammered for two for the measly sum of 2.4 million because this was on the heels of that 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 3.3 million sale this one came afterwards and people thought because this was so such an important book that it was going to do like 4 million or 5 million again like the the uh the pundits were all you know so when it only hammered for 2.4 million and by the way I can tell you who bought this because he's he's made it public the owner of heritage auctions thought this was a big was it was a great deal at 2.4 million and he's the one who who took it down and bought it mm. Nice. Very, 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 very interesting uh, for sure. Uh, to me, this is a really nice piece. Th these are two completely different things to me. This is black and white. It's pure comic book art. It's it's striking. Whereas this is color. This to me is a piece that you hang on a wall. You can look at from 20 feet back and, and, and love it. Whereas this right. one here, you want to get a little bit up close. You want to read the words. You want to see the detail in, in the in the pencil and all that. They're both, I think they're both really cool. So, um, okay. In the interest of time, we are going to continue, but I can't continue. I'll bring up Dexflow's comment right here. It says, I'm not a sports card guy or comic guy or a toy guy. I'm a Jeremy <laughs> Lee guy. I appreciate that. Dexflow. I, I agree. I agree with that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, <laughs> fellas. I appreciate it. Thomas Fish in the house. Good evening, Thomas. Tom. Good to see you, Tom. If, if you're the, do you, I, I know a Tom Fish too. I don't know if it's uh, which, which one that is, but welcome to the show. And uh, Jordan says the Dark Knight cover is both artistic and historic. Yeah, very, very cool. And we are talking about your wolf. Uh, said, I heard you guys were talking about my wolves page. There you go. You just, you just found the owner, Jeremy. Of okay. The green page. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Um, okay, well, welcome to the show, Thomas Fish. Good to see you. Um, okay, so we've just gone through these pieces. We go from, you know, 150K from kind of before the transition through the half a million into the three quarters of a million to 3.3, 2.4. These are big numbers, big numbers. With all that said, how do you feel, Glenn, in terms of the value of comic book art right now? Do you think it's undervalued? Do you think it's underappreciated? Do you think it's where it should be? What are your thoughts on the state of values in your space right now? Well, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the marketplace. I mean, for a long time during the pandemic, I was worried because prices were escalating at such a crazy value that I thought like, oh my goodness, like, is this sustainable? And, you know, where, who, where are the people going to keep coming from as, as prices escalate? But I think that they've leveled off a little bit. They haven't gone down in the same way that I understand comics have gone down and, and you and I discussed um, sports cards have have gone down in value with 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 sort of the end of the pan pandemic. Um, so so I feel like prices have stabilized. Um, I also just feel like there are more and more people coming into the hobby and 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 discovering the excitement of it for some of the reasons that 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 I discussed earlier of why people love art. Um, I do think that like 
this sort of like throwaway illustration type artwork is is becoming um, to be admired more seriously by the public and in in and and prices are justifying that they're almost getting into fine art territory and next year i believe george lucas star wars george lucas is opening a museum in los angeles where he will display his collection and stuff that he's bought for this museum it's going to be a world class museum that they're spending billions of dollars on to to uh it's going to be at Exposition Park in, in, in Museum Row there. And they're going to show comic book art and they're going to show story art and illustration art. Um, and and I, I do believe that's going to be a game changer when that when that opens and the public looks at that stuff and realizes, uh, you know, what this stuff really is. So I think we're at I think we're at a place where values are still escalating um, and the market is still really healthy. Um, even though, uh, you know, unfortunately a lot of people who have been collecting for years are starting to get priced out, you know? And so yeah. I think that's discouraging for, for a number of collectors. For sure. Yeah, it can be, but, uh, you know, here, right here, sticky Ray says, I personally feel these results might not be repeated in the post COVID slump. Everything went up too quickly and everything has dropped off. Certainly true in sports cards, maybe, maybe not true in comic art, but when prices come down, that does make items more accessible again. So there's always, you know, while you may own a piece that has come down in value, you can now buy, you can dollar cost average a little bit if you're looking at it from that investment perspective. A quick hello to you, Michael Ham. Good to see you, pal, as always. Um, okay, I wanted to, a couple more things we got to get to here. One of which um, is... If I'm new, if I'm new and I'm looking to enter the space of comic art, what's some advice you would give me and what platforms are there for me to, where should I be looking? Where should I be? Obviously your sure. business panel page art. I mean, we got to plug that, but right. where else can I go? And what advice would you give a newbie? And I'm curious what, what you obviously do. We have some advanced collectors in the, in the chat as well. I'd like to hear from you guys as well, but we'll start with you. Of course, Glenn. If you don't so mind, there, uh, I mean, obviously there are a lot of, there are a lot of places there's panel page art, which is my website, um, which you can go to. And, and, and I have like, I think about 600 pieces of artwork that you can peruse. Um, there's nostalgic investments, uh, which is another great dealer, uh, who has like great art. There's, uh, Will Gabrielle's comic comic page.net. Um, there is, uh, Albert Moy who's been doing this for years. Uh, there's like Heritage Auctions, obviously, is, is the main auction house. There's Comic Link, and there is uh, uh, Comic Connect, which is uh, uh, Metropolis. They also sell comic books as, as, as well. Um, so there are like there are a number of places. There's there's a um, there's a thing called Collectors uh, a CAF, which is a um, uh, collector collectors. Um, um, it's like a gallery of, of, of collectors where you can go. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, there, so, so there are like, they're just, there, there, there are a ton of places that, uh, okay. that, that, that one can, can, can find this stuff. So, yeah, well, good. And I, I guess another place soon enough is going to be the collectible platform and their, their, their BWIC, uh, right. channel right, exactly. with bid, bids wanted in competition. Why don't Which we I'm use that opportunity to take a look at the pieces that uh, that you are going to be submitting or have submitted to 
uh, to collectible for that. Is that okay if we do that now? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. That'd be great. Okay, so the first one, uh, which you sent me images, this is a pretty cool looking piece. The detail is, is quite stunning. So, so I'm just looking right, at your so notes is, you sent me. This is done by Jack Kirby. I've heard you say his name already. So from the so 70s. yeah, Jack Kirby is like is probably the most important uh, comic book artist in in comic books. He he's sort of the far, fa father of Marvel. I mean, he created all the Fantastic Four, the X Men. Um, he he created uh, uh, the most of the characters in the Avengers. Um, you know, he he was he had his hand in Iron Man. I mean, he like basically Stan Lee and 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 Jack Kirby are known for for creating the Marvel universe. So he is. He is, uh, and 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 he's had he created Captain America in the '40s, and so um, he's uh, he he's known as the king of comics, and and is probably the most important comic book artist um, that that we know of. This is uh, his his premier creation, the Fantastic Four. He did this cover um, just uh, just before 1970 when he left to go to DC and create a, a whole new uh, universe called the Fourth World. Um, but this is this is a wonderful piece of artwork because it has the, all of the Fantastic Four in battle, and they're battling the uh, the Frightful Four, one of their their main villains. Um, very very rare to get like a full battle cover by the Fantastic Four, and the Fantastic Four are going to be very very important to uh, the cinematic universe as they're going to be like launched in 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 film um, in 2024 as well. So uh, this is this is uh, it, it's incredibly difficult. Um, to find Fantastic Four pieces by Jack Kirby, and this is really one of his best ones. So uh, I was excited to uh, uh, donate this to Collectible to uh, uh, for their for their very first um, auction that has comics and comic art in it. Very neat, very neat. I just before we go to the next one, you you had mentioned Metropolis Comics, and I'm assuming you and your your people know what Metropolis is. And I just like to let everybody know that I. Two Sundays from now on this show, Collectible Live, uh, my guest is going to be Vince Zerzulo, who is from oh, okay. Metropolis. He'll be on the show uh, a couple weeks after you. So I'm going to really, myself and, and and the Sports Cards Live, Collectible Live audience is going to get a, quite the, the lesson in comic art and comic books here in the in the month of February. So excited about that. Okay, let's take a look at the next, uh, the next item that is going to Collectible. Um, Listen, I'm looking at your notes, so if you don't mind, John Ramita Sr. Now, this is a name that seems familiar to me. I don't know <laughs> why, but it feels familiar to me. 76 Spider-Man, Spidey Super Stories, original cover art number 17. What can you tell us about this piece and John well, Ramita Sr.? As I mentioned, uh, uh, Steve Ditko created uh, Spider-Man. We were talking about him earlier. Um, in 1965, I believe, Steve just up and quit. Like, he left. Marvel and uh, John Ramita Sr., who had just come over from DC, the romance department was given the task of taking on the mantle of Spider-Man. And John Ramita Sr. is considered uh, probably one of the definitive Spider-Man artists because he took Spider-Man from uh, fr from Ditko and really made Spider-Man into sort of a household name. The image of Spider-Man that we know today is really sort of based on on uh, on Ramita's version and he became very very important to the marvel house style and became the art director of of marvel so um this particular piece is is just like his his peak period and he's also famous for doing captain america 
The uh, image of Spider-Man has been reprinted for merchandising over and over again. It was also used on one of the small pocket books um, in 1980 that that uh, reprinted the uh, the news strip that they did for Spider-Man. So um, this is really, really one of his iconic images. And um, again, I thought a very, very special piece to uh, to kick off uh, collectibles auctions with. Awesome. That that's really cool. It's it's nice to see collectible expanding outside of just sports cards and memorabilia into TCG and comic art and sports art and and uh, and others. Wine. We did. We had the wine guy on last week. A tall a tall Tawari of cult wine. So I'm loving this education. Uh, okay, let's go to the third piece. It's another John Romita senior piece. 60, 1965 Avengers number twenty three. One original splash art. I mean, this this is pretty cool that it's big. You know, I, I love it. What can you tell us about this piece? Well, yeah, so it, it like size does matter. And um, and yeah. this is like 14 by 22, I guess. Um, and uh, it's, you know, you, you've got uh, you've, you've got Hawkeye, which which now, of course, has uh, is, is, is important. He's had his own uh, television series with Disney and Scarlet Witch, uh, the same thing. So you've got three of the four Avengers from this period. Captain America isn't here, but they're talking about him. And um, Don Heck, who took over the uh, Avengers comic strip right after Jack Kirby, who originated the Avengers, um, had like a 30-issue run. And this is this is uh, one of his splash pages. But what's really important about this is this is actually John Romita Sr.'s very first work uh, when he came to Marvel uh, in, 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 in 1965. And he, as I mentioned, he came from the romance department and you can see in Scarlet Witch, like, you know, she really looks like one of, 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 of the love story, um, women that, 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 uh, Ramita was, uh, so famous for. And so this is, this is like, uh, this is a a historic piece of art because it's his first, but it's also, and, and it's beautiful. And you've got, you've got these two Avengers that are, that are so important to the, uh, um, cinematic universe franchise at this at, at, at this moment so again i thought a really piece a, a, a really important piece of art that would be i really wanted to give collectible three things that um i thought were standouts and um you know all all of these all of these pieces are special in different ways um all right on it, yeah you've made that obvious to me i mean i tend to uh whenever i bring on somebody from a, a different collectible genre outside of my main one being sports cards like i always feel like i i'm i'm uh, susceptible to becoming a part of your community because i just think all this stuff is is so cool i want to just do a quick shout out and thank you to uh, nick barucci who's saying you know let's support glenn and jeremy 33 <laughs> watching only 19 likes one last ask to get everyone to hit that that like button and even steve elmore jumps and says come on people it don't cost anything to hit that like button uh, thank you, fellas. Uh, much, much appreciate the support. Okay, okay, Glenn, we are we are basically out of time. But before we end this, I'm going to just run through the comments that have come in that I that I find to be really interesting. Uh, Sticky Rice here says that I'm really looking forward to the Lucas Museum. I own the first double bladed lightsaber appearance, thanks to Glenn. Oh, nice. So, That's right. I mean, Glenn, you're obviously fulfilling that to you. Yeah, I'm you're glad you still have that and enjoy it. You're fulfilling some dreams here, it sounds like. Murdoch says, everything has peaks and valleys. The economy is in a valley right now, but once the money comes back in, people will go back to buying. I can't really disagree with that. 
Will says that's the great and horrible thing about one of a kind originals. Often once they go into a collection, they tend to stay there maybe for decades. And I think that's one of the key factors in creating value overall. The harder something is to get, the more you the more you're going to pay for it once you have that opportunity. So that's I think that's the I think in any collectible genre, you need that end user. You need that true collector who wants to hold it. And so that's good to hear that that occurs in your space as well. Will goes on to say, but also drives up interest for similar pieces. One of the reasons prices have not softened. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Thomas Peterson uh, calls out another platform, com Comic Art right, that's Fans. What I was, that's, that's what I was talking about before, Comic Art Fans. Yeah. Comic Art Fans. Great. Thanks for clarifying, Thomas. Uh, Will says, great example of a Kirby cover. It was in a collection in France for a couple of decades. So one of the ones we were looking at. Brendan Ryan says, I'm not seeing any original Gru, the Wanderer stuff. It must be rare. Uh, good stuff, Brendan. And uh, Will says, that is probably the best Spidey Super Series covers. Also a Bicentennial Classic and by John Romita Sr. So obviously, uh, Thank you, Will. You know, the, the, I love all the different factors that go in. And when you talk about the cinema and movies and you know, kind of even Deadpool. I mean, I had heard Deadpool, but until I saw that movie and I was like, oh, Deadpool is the coolest superhero of all time, uh, at least for, for me. I, you know, that it, it, it's just, it's neat how their lives can can keep on being, or the, the character can, can be brought to the forefront of culture and society kind of over and over again with the remakes. I remember when Batman came out in like 1988 or 89 and I thought, or was that after that? Anyway, yeah, no, no, that's right. That's yeah, right. in that yeah, the Michael Keaton version. I remember yeah. thinking, well, that's great. This is the new Batman. I didn't think there'd be more and more and more. I thought that was it. But they they can keep on reinventing these stories and characters, and I think that's that's what really helps prop up uh, the comic book and comic art spaces. Derek Cass says, "I'd love to see some old Mad Magazine pages." Is there is there a, is there a interest in that? Is that is that a thing Absolutely. too? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, mad art is uh, is 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 very popular, and uh, I'm sure. I mean, yeah. yeah. What was his name? Uh, e. Newman. Uh, Alfred E. Newman. Alfred E. Newman. Alfred E. Newman. Right. What on. me worry? Yeah. Awesome. Love it. Okay. Well, listen. Uh, we are we are gonna wrap this up. We're we're just over an hour, but uh, I'm glad to say, Glenn, we hit pretty much everything everything on the notes so i think um yeah actually we hit everything so that's we good did. i was i was, I was concerned but we, we we accomplished it also i want to thank everybody in the chat you guys who are pushing for likes you know i appreciate that we don't come out here and ask for them too often ourselves but always appreciate when people do if you like what you saw feel free to subscribe to the channel we are mostly sports card related but hey maybe you'll pick up a new hobby of your own and Maybe some of us will come over to your side as well. So I appreciate all the new people who came over and supported this, this episode with Glenn Brunswick of Panel Page Art. Glenn, thank you to you. Final word to you. And then we're going to wrap it up. Uh, okay, great. Um, you know, there was there was one other thing that I that that I that I wanted to mention, and it was about uh, that compare and contrast thing. I don't know if we still have time to do that, but um uh, it was like the, the Steve Ditko page of, of Spider-Man 29. Yeah. So, um, so here, here's just as a final note, what I wanted to talk about was this, um, in, in, in 2020 hammered for sold for $240,000 and it's, it's huge. It's like the same size as that Avengers splash we talked about earlier. It's, um, you know, 14 by 20. It's, it's four panels of action in Spider-Man battling the scorpion. It's, it's, 
it's about as good a piece as you could ever hope for. And at the same time, if you show the Amazing Fantasy 15, this, this book in 7.5, which is the first appearance of Spider-Man, sold for 300000 So it sold for $60,000 more than like one of the very best pages of, of Spider-Man by the original artist. And so for $60,000 more, you can buy the comic book uh, on virtually the same day, which, um, which, which uh, if you look at the notes that Heritage left, uh, there are 61 copies of this particular book in, in higher grades. So if your house burns down and you own this comic book, you can buy it another 61 times uh, in, 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 in an equal or greater grade. Uh, but if, but, and, and, and you have to pay more for it. You have to pay 300,000 versus 240. So, uh, I only bring this up, you know, not, not, not to say one is better than the other, you know, or, or anything like that, but, um, these things are one of a kind. And I just think it's like an interesting comparison that like you can get the best of the best comic book art now, now, you know, people will say, okay, so, but the, the 29 pages isn't the first appearance of Spider-Man in the way that the comic book is, but the way fine art like thinks about artwork is, um, you know, they, they want peak artists drawing their, at, drawing their, their best work. And so a page from 29 is probably Steve Ditko's best, you know, the, the epitome of his art. This is probably one of the best pages he ever drew. So, uh, you know, so for right now, as the market stands for less money than one of the best comic books from his first appearance, you can get a page like this. And so I guess I think from a rarity, from a scarcity perspective, it's certainly, you know, you make it you make a, a, a an important point. I just want to say that this to me is much more aesthetic and much more beautiful to look at. It's just I think the addition of the color is why you might see some of that disparity between values. I, I think this, this, I would rather look at this than this myself, but from a rarity and scarcity and maybe ultimate value perspective, I could see what you're saying that, you know, you're getting a bargain when you're getting an original page of original art, yet this to me has more aesthetic value. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I can appreciate you're saying that. I mean, I, I, I think that like a lot of, once we get into, uh, you know, sort of coveting artwork that, that, you know, looking at the black and white page becomes sort of like a standardized thing that, that like yeah. color is almost distracting because really what you're looking at is the artist's vision and the brush strokes and, 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 and the beauty of what the black and white is. And so in a way, like the color is, is, yeah, it's more aesthetically pleasing. It's more like the comic book you read when, when you were growing up and it represents that, but but it doesn't, it's not really, it, you're not really getting the true artistic vision, I guess, is what, fair what, enough. Yeah, that, what I would fair. counter that with. Thank you, Brendan. Appreciate that. Triple V, good to see you. All right, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Glenn, thanks again for joining. Thank you so much for having me, Jeremy. It was you're really welcome. Yeah, my pleasure as well. This episode is now over. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week ahead. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends.
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.